But she came back to be the one that saved the whole family. That is what I'm trying to point out in this story. She happened to be the only one that saved the whole family. Our family, our father, our mother, our children, brethren. She saved them by this story. Because she feared God. She feared God. All the other people, they heard about this God of these people. Dried the Red Sea for them. They heard, all of them had a story. She also had a story. But in the end, when she had the opportunity, she cried for help from these two men and tried to hide them. And you can read the story. And they swore to her that if you will not let this thing be known by the enemy that they capture us, we, we should listen to you. But she prayed that the Lord, will, that they would deliver her and her families. And you can read the rest of the story. I'm just going to summarize that. In Joshua, the book of chapter 2 talks about how she got her parents and her relatives into her house. And these two men, they came by and delivered her and her family and her house from the destruction. And she said, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. He said, my father's house. She still loved her parents. You can imagine what it could have been. They have forsaken her because of the business, but she still feared God and she still had that love for her parents. Even though she was rejected. And she ended up being the one that delivered that family. And you can read the rest of the story that she actually became the, the great-great-grandparent of King David. Look at that in Matthew chapter 1, chapter verse 5. So that when we say, don't write off people, no matter what you think they are, don't write them off. That, oh, this one is no good, or it's never going to be saved. Don't write them off. Matthew chapter 1 tells the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he mentioned, when he got to verse 5, it starts from Abraham, begat Isaac, begat Jacob, begat Jacob, begat Judas. And when he got to verse 5, and he said, and Solomon begat booze of Rahab. The only time they mention the women's name, because they are very important in this lineage. Every place you see, they mention the women's name, the mother's name, because that is a key, a key figure. That's why I was talking about this woman today. That she became the, the great-grandmother of King David in this story. Because you can read further in verse 6. And then you see Jesse was in that line. From Jesse to King David, and that Rahab the harlot. Don't write off people. Amen? Think about it. Now, let me talk about another story of a man, Jephthah, in the book of Judges, chapter 11. We human beings, we look at the outward appearance, but God looks into the heart. God has said that in the scriptures many times. And it will make you to begin to think, is there any family member of yours that you have prayed for? You wanted that, them to be saved. You wanted him or her to be saved. 
you can think of whatever evil things they were doing. You think, well, this one is on the way to hell. And to the point you almost write off on them. Don't write them off. As long as they are still breathing, keep trusting, keep believing. Jephthah was another person, according to Judges chapter 11, he was born by a concubine. In those days, these men, they have so many wives, but they have other one called concubines. They were not married. That's what it means. They are not married to the man. And you can call her a mistress in the American terminology. So he was born by a mistress of a great man who has so many sons. So in the end, after the man died, the brothers and the siblings, they didn't want him to inherit anything in their father's house because he was from the concubine. So they excommunicated or sent him away from their midst. So he became a fugitive, so to speak. That was Jephthah in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 11. Let's give that from verse 1 to 3. But when it came to a point, this man, Jephthah, because of the way they treated him, he became a, what you call a leader of a, of a bandit. The rough guys, armed robbers, if you call them. Armed robbers, if you can call them, because that was what they are. So people then know that that's your son, that's your brother, that's your sister. is now willing people in the street with the gang and I'm, I'm robbing them. So he became an armed robber, so to speak, a leader of bandits. But they know that those people are very rough, rough and tough. But when it came to the point that Israel had problems, the enemy attacking Israel and they needed a captain, a military guy. Because they don't, Israel in those days they didn't have any military. Everybody was a gentle, gentle person. But they remember they have a, a not so called brother, half brother that they have thrown away out of the family. That it was rough and tough with all the guns and uh, weapons. So they went and begged for him to come and help them. So don't write tough people, amen? So they, could have, they wrote that man off that he didn't belong to the family also because he was born by a concubine. But when they needed help, they called for him to come and save them. And that man still knows the God of history. And he made all these promises to God, that God, if you deliver these people into my hand, he actually asked them, if I save you from this, your enemies, will I become your leader? I said, yeah, you become our leader. The man they threw out, they had to beg him to come back and be their leader. Why? Because the lifestyle he shows that look like this is rough lifestyle. They needed that rough man now to come and be their leader. But wrong right off people is what we are seeing in these stories. Let's talk again in the story of Saul of Tarsus. Amen? Saul of Tarsus. You all know he became Apostle Paul, if you don't know it. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. Now, this man was a, for we believers, we will call them evil man. Think of, if he's African, think of the leader of the Boko Haram. Killing all, burning all the churches. What you call them? Say, so, well, some people be praying that the man be dead. You know, so. Some people, God smite him down, kill him, so that he won't kill us anymore. You know, so. Think that was what Saul of Tarsus was like. 
arresting the Christians, stoning them. But God said, don't write off people. Pray for them. It's for the same. Pray for your enemies. So now you can see why the word of our Lord Jesus Christ is very important when you say, pray for your enemies. Even those that you know, they declared enemies. Say, pray for them. That was the story of Saul of Tarsus. He was evil. Himself, he himself said it in his own testimony. Look at it in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Galatians chapter 1. Verses 14. And Apostle Paul telling his own resume. He said, I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Next verse. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I confirmed her with flesh and blood. That was one of, one of his testimonies. You can also see the testimony in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12 and 13. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. That was how he described himself. And we all know that because we can read the story. We read the story in the book of Acts of the Apostles. After they stoned Stephen, he got permission from the chief priest to be arresting these fanatics, these Christians. And all believers are running Hesterskelter because of this man, Saul of Tartus. Everybody fled. And he got a gang of fanatics with him, arresting believers. And you see how believers will be praying. You can remember, remember that. They are, they are praying in Nigeria. They were praying over everybody. I see started attacking these people in, in uh, Iraq. Beheading people. And they have a leader. You can imagine all the Christians over there will be praying that that man be dead. See? God knows what, he will, what he's going to do. So That's what you see instead of Saul's status. But when God knocked him down on his way to Damascus, he became a changed person. So let's not write off people. Amen? Don't write off people at all. Praise the Lord. The summary of all of these things is that we as individuals, many of us, we were formerly sinners. Aren't we? You say, well, you, you, say, well, you are not. Well, we, I was formerly a sinner. Whether your, your sin was small or your sin was big, we were all sinners. Whether you didn't even sin anything at all since you were born, but you were born sinners. Born by sinners. Inheritors of sin. So you can see we were all saved by grace. Praise the Lord. So that's why he wanted us to remember, don't write off on people. Don't write people off. Just keep praying for them. Believe in God for them because that's what love God's love is say, love believeth all things, hope all things, hope that this thing will happen if you keep believing. If you are trusting that God will save somebody, trust that he will be saved. And the Lord is able to do all that we ask him. Praise the Lord. So my, my summary of this exhortation today is, don't write off on people. And if you see anybody that is a broken pieces, another thing that many times happens in the Christendom is 
when you see a great minister fail from grace because he found out, oh, he did something wrong, you know what always happened? Many people just talk about the person and blast the person. And in the end, they are fleeting that person off. But those are like broken bottles. And God can still, you see, when you break a bottle, look like there's no way, no way you can put those bottles together. But not with God. God can put all those things back together. That's why he asks people to repent. When they repent, God said he forgive all their sins. They say, we human beings that are in the fold, we, we are so self-righteous, we, we don't see it. It's not easy for human beings to forgive, to even remember to forget. That is the story of Saul of Tarsus. When he was persecuting the Christians, all the believers in Jerusalem knew him. Now he went to Damascus and he got saved and he was now part of the Damascus brethren. Then they sent him out of Damascus. You know the story. The, the governor wanted to arrest him because he was now preaching against what he used to, what he was, uh, he was he used to believe, preaching against the Jews. And they wanted to arrest him, and they escaped. They let him escape over the wall in a basket. Now he came to Jerusalem, trying to join himself. They could remember ah, Saul of Tarsus. What is he doing in our midst? Hello, can I? No, sir. Everybody running away from him. No, sir. Trying to share his testimony, nobody wants to listen. Nobody wants to listen because they knew him two years ago. He killed this man. He arrested that man. He killed that man. He arrested that man. So they were all afraid of him because they could not see beyond what he has done, what he has done, what he did, what he has done. But until he got somebody like Barnabas, maybe Barnabas heard his story, or he was able to confide in Barnabas, Barnabas said, I will take you to the apostles. And then he was able to be, he was accepted. But you see, that is what we are trying to say. Remember, don't try tough people. Trust that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And if you have anybody in your life that you have been praying for. That you want the Lord to change, to deliver. Don't write them off because they are not changing or they are getting worse. You know? Because sometimes they have to get worse before God can pull them out of them. Before sometimes, many people, they will tell you their testimonies. Either they ended up in jail. I read a testimony on television of one man who was in this America many years ago now. He was an attorney, one of those attorneys, and he thought he knew the law so much that he, he was giving that testimony himself. He said he, he so much knew the law, being criminal defense for many of them. He said he knew so much the law of the U.S., and he said he could figure out a perfect crime. Whatever his perfect crime was, all of those trying to cheat or make money from the IRS or something like that. So he said he knew how to make a perfect crime from his own imagination. So he devised a, what he called a perfect crime that they would never catch him. That was his own testimony from his mind. I heard it on TBN many years ago. But when he thought he had done that perfect crime, being an attorney and defense attorney for many years, then he was nailed. 
he was nailed. This man really was not a churchgoer, maybe churchgoer, but not really believing. But when he got behind the bars, that was his own testimony. When they locked that gate at him, he was now in prison. Everything that he was thinking was perfect crime collapsed. He said he sat down in the, in, behind the bar and wept because now he has lost everything. So that's why I was saying sometimes people, some people have to get to the bottom, the rock bottom, before they look up and say, Lord, they have messed up their life. They now want a savior. That was the man's testimony that when he got into jail, he realized that he messed up his life, lost his family, lost everything. Then he cried unto God and gave his life to God in prison. That's why many people are giving themselves to Christ in prison years. You can tell, I can ask some of those people that are in prison ministries, that they get people that really come to the bottom and they cry unto God and they were really sincerely, genuinely changed. So don't write to people, and sometimes they have to get to the bottom before they can cry unto God. So we can thank God that we don't have to go that far in our misbehavior before God saved us. Praise the Lord. But we are giving this exhortation today so that we, as believers, can throw away self-righteousness and just trust God for people. Keep preaching. Keep believing. Keep praying for them. And the person you are praying for may even slap your face for preaching the gospel to him. But don't let that shame you. Don't shame that to hurtful cause. Remember Stephen in the Acts of the Apostles. When they were the same Apostle Paul that we are talking about, Saul of Tarsus. They say he was the one that was spearmining the people that to stone Stephen. But as believers, Christ being in us, what did Stephen do? He said, Father, lay not this to their charge. Lay not this to their charge. In Acts chapter chapter 7, verse 59 and 60. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And verse 58 said, when they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. That means he was the ringleader of those people that stoned Stephen. If Stephen was going to be vendetta, you know, really vent, he would have said, God, that man cursed him. You know, he said, don't cost, be a blessing. Bless always. Suppose he has caused because of the story. No, he would have been causing a future apostle. See? So that is why our theological said, bless and cause not. Praise the Lord. So we are going to pray for ourselves. Because in many occasions we fall into that situation because of our feeling, the feeling of our infirmity. That's why the Bible said, the Lord will help, he will not allow us to be tempted above our strength. But with the temptation, it will make a way of escape. Because he said, if, if, if you go to a place and you run into this guy and they slap your face for preaching the gospel to them, it takes the Holy Ghost to take over your emotion. It takes the Holy Ghost to take over your emotion before you, before you lose it. 
and want to fight back or you want to defend yourself and so on and so forth. But you see, that's not the same thing as if somebody is attacking or trying to rob your house. I'm talking about when you are being persecuted for the gospel. Because if somebody is trying to rob your house, of course, you need to defend your family also. They are not coming to your house because you are a believer. They are coming to your house because they saw some money they wanted to steal. See? So that's a different story. So you need to cry unto the Lord to deliver or not allow that to happen. But in summary, what are we saying? Don't try tough people at all. But pray for everybody. Believe God that God is able to do what he has promised. That he's able to save. The Bible says God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son. He didn't write us off. He didn't write the old man race off because he knew what he can do in our lives. One other story is the story of this man called the thief on the cross. You ever thought about that? The thief on the cross. This man, was, he knew himself was a thief. He joined the wrong gang or the bad gang. Not so. They were robbing, they were armed robbers, and the Roman, the Roman governors or the Roman soldiers got all of them, and they were arrested, they were now in jail. Well, you see, this thief on the cross could have heard about this preacher going about calling him the Messiah. But he was with the wrong gang, so he said, I think I believe what happened. Say, oh, forget about it. His gang members say, those, those preachers, they are all for money. That may be perhaps the way they talk to him. So he followed the gang doing the arm robbery and so on and so forth. And they got them. They were going to kill him by, by providence. This preacher he heard about also was being arrested. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he was going to be crucified with them. What has he done? They say he was a blasphemer. Oh. For once, that man forgot about himself and thought about why is he here with us, being crucified with us. The other guy was unbeliever, never believed anything. Say, if you are really the Messiah, save yourself and us. But this thief on the cross forgot about himself for a while and said, this man ought not to be here with us. Because he believed what he said he heard, even though he never lived that life, he never even thought about it, other than that he heard him say, this man said his kingdom is coming. He said, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And you know, we're going to see that thief on the cross in heaven. Because Christ said, today you will be with me in paradise. Somebody that his family members will have written him off and said he joined the wrong gang. Armed robber. Well, that's what he deserved. But not everybody will have the opportunity to be on the cross with the Messiah. Just like the other guy had the opportunity, but he blew it because he never believed anything. But see, what you are saying, don't write off people, no matter how far gone to the left they have been, or how far gone to the pit of hell they have been. Just keep believing God. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing 
by the word of God. In, in other words, you can say faith coming by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.